You're listening to And So I Followed an Alternative Religion podcast with Graham McMillan Mason. Episode 2, John Terry. Hello and welcome to the second episode of And So I Followed an Alternative Religion podcast. Um... I think I just want to start off by thanking everyone that listened to last week's opening episode with Eric Paul. Really pleased that you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, from the feedback I've had so far, seems people were pretty into hearing about his backstory and where he's at now as well, which is actually really cool because the whole idea of the podcast is that there's a backstory, you listen to it and enjoy it and get to know a little bit about the artist, um, a little bit more in depth. And I definitely feel like Eric gave that, you know, Eric is an individual, I don't want to kind of bang on too much, but really good friend of mine, really lovely guy, and I got on with him so well, Um, I'm so pleased that the people who didn't know who Eric was beforehand have really connected with him, and the people who knew who Eric was, I'm so pleased they also enjoyed listening to his backstory, because I could listen to Eric all day, if I'm totally honest, Um, I've got to be honest and say that from an editing perspective, listening to that podcast for like a week and a half, Eric's side of it was absolutely no hassle, uh, even with the echo, which you'll be pleased to know I've actually fixed um, for this week and the rest of the episodes. Because so many people have been so kind and have connected with me on Facebook and Twitter and places like that, I kind of wanted to give a little bit of promotion for the Facebook page if anyone wants to connect further. It's totally fine if not, but if you go in the search bar and type in And So I Followed an Alternative Religion Podcast, you'll find this page straight away. You can like it, message me, comment on the podcasts, tell me who you want on the show, um, who you'd like to hear me chat to, and I'll certainly try my best to get them if I think it, it fits the criteria of what we're looking for. Um, for interest in alternative artists with a backstory. And remember, it's, you know, musicians, filmmakers, writers, um, anyone you want, I'm quite happy to to take a look at and hopefully get hold of. Um, If you wanted to follow me on Twitter, which I'm actually a little bit more active on, that's just at CFAR Podcast, CFAR being S-I-F-A-A-R. And also, if you have iTunes, I've noticed a few people have done this already, but feel free to subscribe to the podcast. Um, I believe it's quite easy. I've done it once or twice. I think you just go on to the podcast, click subscribe, and then each and every week you should get the new episode on a Monday at 10 o'clock UK time, just dropping into your mobile phone or your Mac or your laptop or whatever it is you listen to it, really. Again... I don't want to be a person who does promotions at the beginning of a podcast, but just real quick, if you're from Glasgow or you live local to Glasgow, I run a monthly film night under the label Burnt Church Old Press, which we do two films for one night every month. And on Wednesday, we have a special theme, which is the Martin Scorsese night. That means we've got The Departed starting about 6, quarter past 6, a little bit earlier than usual because obviously the length of Scorsese films is big. And then I've got Goodfellas at 9 o'clock later on. Um, I might be biased, but it is always a really good night. It's rare that you can sort of sit and have a beer with friends and watch some classics. Um, It's at the Flying Duck. If you haven't been before, it's an amazing place um, in terms of food. Really good vegan food. They've actually done something special for this event. They've done vegan meatballs and spaghetti, kind of like a prison lunch, as it's called in Goodfellas. And that's going to be a one-off thing. And, of course, they know how to pour a really fantastic beer. And I'm, I'm being generally serious with that. Like, some of the best pints I've had have been at the Flying Duck. In regards to the night itself, we're actually starting to build up a really good little community where people want to chat <clears throat> and talk about films. Um, and just talk about stuff in general and, you know, the alternative film scene, uh, the alternative music scene. So it's really cool if you haven't been before because everyone's really friendly and everyone chats and everyone enjoys the films. And it's completely free. Uh, most importantly, completely free. So that's March the 8th. That's Wednesday coming up. It's completely free. It's at the Flying Duck. 
grab a seat from about six o'clock. You can come later if you just want to come for Goodfellas. If there's room, you're more than welcome. Moving on to this week's actual podcast, though, we've got musician John Terry. He was a huge part of one of the best albums I think has personally ever been written, uh, which is the album Long Live, which is by a band sadly no longer with us, The Chariot. He was a guitarist for them for many a year, um, and he's also the guitarist for Dan Dan Smith's Listener Project, both of whom I'd highly recommend, and I really mean that because The Chariot were my favourite band of all time, and the first dance song at my wedding was a song called Wooden Heart by Listener, so you can probably understand why I'm a fan of what John does, but he's also a really fine solo artist. He's released work under Stolen Nations and also under his own name. He's a really captivating performer um, as a solo act. We talk about it a little more in the podcast, but it's really heavy in the mind in a mindset when he performs as a solo artist. I was so used to him being in heavy bands, but when I seen him, you know, there was something really magnetic about his voice from a solo perspective. And his new stuff that isn't actually available yet is some of the best work that he's ever produced, in his opinion, and also mine. As always, we'll cover his backstory, his early life, and how he's grew up from a church kid, into the guitarist for one of the most popular uh, math core band, if you want to call it that, in The Chariot. Um, but every act he's been part of is completely different, and it was a really good insight into his eclectic taste and what pushes him forward into each different avenue and then, you know, sometimes pulls him back. I met him about a year and a half ago um, and really got on with him a little bit better after my Eager Tongue project supported him. And he's actually always stayed in touch um, from his perspective. It hasn't kind of been me chatting to him all the time. He's always available to chat. He's a really lovely guy. He's got some really good thoughts on the music scene. And he's just someone who's really, truly lovely. But before we get started, John's actually done something which is completely awesome. He's given me one of his tracks, which is called Chipwrecks, which is actually completely unreleased and unheard of outside of his household, really. Um, I only heard it two days ago, and I think I'm one of the first to hear it outside of his recording studio. So as a collective, we're pretty much the first to hear it. And it was so nice of John to donate that to the podcast um, and that he trusted me with that. So I really want to thank him, but I also really hope that you enjoy it, and I'm pretty sure you're going to. I'll hit the interview straight after, and see you soon. Thanks.
John, how are you today? Hey, good, how are you? I'm very good. I'm not doing too bad. Great to have you on the show. Great to have you as my second guest. Uh, great, great to be here. Always, always. How's your day been? How's, uh, are you in Kansas right now? I'm in Missouri, so like uh, Kansas City is, it's right on the border of Kansas and Missouri, so some people think Kansas City, oh, it's in Kansas, but it's, there's actually the bigger city is on the Missouri side, so that's where I'm at. My knowledge of America is so bad. Like, <laughs> yes. that's all right. I know where Florida is, and I know that it's big and it's sweaty and like a large sauna. And I know New York is kind of in the right hand side or the right hand corner. But aside from that, no, my my knowledge is horrendous. Um, <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's all you really need to know. It's like California, New York, and Florida. Yeah, pretty much. Although I'm sure there's people who might disagree with me, so sorry in advance. Um, but yeah, I've given you a good introduction, sort of, you know, off camera, if you will. Um, uh-huh. If you want to introduce yourself, fire on. It can be as short or as long as you like. What do you want to know from me? <laughs> oh, well, we know your name. I've given that game away. Um, so uh, I'm a musician and a, an engineer. I'm based out of Kansas City, Missouri. I've lived here for quite a long time. That kind of works. I think that works. So right. we were just chatting sort of off camera before um, about the idea behind the podcast. So yeah. the people listening to it kind of, I would hope they've listened to the first sort of episode and have an idea behind it. Um, if not, you know, there's the reason to listen to the first one, I guess. But um, yeah. it's all about, obviously, I just want to find a little background around your story and, and why you find yourself where you're at at the moment and why way you know the reasons why you found yourself where you are at a certain point in your life and i think there's no better place to kind of start with the question of you know as an alternative artist if you don't mind me saying what was the first sort of alternative band alternative artist that kind of grabbed you when you were i don't know in your teens or maybe younger um man i had a buddy of mine give me a tape um, on the bus to school one day, because yeah. tapes were like the thing. You listened to tapes because it was easy to dub. Yeah. Um, and it just had like all of these, like it was the '90s, so it was all the bands that were kind of big right then. But it was also that time period where all of these grunge artists started to like make it, and the record labels just didn't understand like how to market this or what this was, but that it was popular. Um, so there was stuff like um, Smashing Pumpkins, yeah, uh, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Soundgarden, Butthole Surfers, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Just kind of this underground wave of grunge. A lot of it coming out of Seattle, but other places as well. Was there anything yeah. locally that grabbed you, like in your your local scene? Because there always seems to be that local band that you kind of gravitate to, and they're the kind of cool guys in town, like. We didn't have many of them in my town, but, you know, I'm sure there was one or two. Um, well, at that point, like, if I, if we started, like, the tape, I call it the tape, because it was... <laughs> the a, tape. <laughs> had, had such an impact. Yeah, of course. Musically, um, um, 
from then, like, at that point, I wasn't even going to shows. Like, I was, I don't know, junior high, but it was just, the, we were, like, I was a suburb kid, so we were still, like, 30 minutes outside of the city. So, first show I went to was probably a year or two after that. And then that kind of sparked the, like, you know, wanting to play shows and going to shows. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, local, um, there were some, like, alternative, like, even <laughs> when that genre started, like, alternative. Yeah. There were some bands, I guess, that we listened to, but nothing national. Like, I don't think many, there weren't too many bands that came out of Kansas City that made it national until a little bit later least that i knew of like we're just so closed off in a way i think we started going to shows and then a few years later like we all wanted to play like me and my friends wanted to play in bands so we created bands and then we started playing shows so yeah the the music we got connected to and like interested in were bands that we would go see or play with and you know, on that the, the tape, as we called it, or as you called yeah. it, um, yeah. one thing I, I don't know if it's just me, but I always find that like uh, American artists and probably vice versa are really inspired by sort of British music. And if we're talking early nineties, was there any sort of British bands that grabbed you around that time? Hmm. I won't there be offended if not. Don't worry, but <laughs> no, I. I trying to think of something that would have been out around that time like it's like blur oasis like they kind of okay. like yeah kind yeah of Britpop really but i mean if we're talking like in my opinion the good ones were like pop bands like that yeah i don't think like i got a lot of it yeah on my end of the pond i mean other than the big ones like oasis was big yeah and i wasn't like they had some good songs but overall i wasn't like a huge fan of it no same i mean i suppose um i suppose when it comes down to influence you got like bands just before that i guess that seemed to influence more like new order joy division uh the smiths of course the smiths are huge in america i mean huge here as well but like they seem to be a huge influence too did you get much of that like over in america when you were young or yeah i mean it was definitely here i think i'm kind of in a weird boat as far as like musical influences because i grew up in a slightly like strict christian home so okay music music i got exposed to was like obviously that tape was unusual because it was given from like an outside friend and my parents didn't know about it yeah um but like up until then it was like in the 90s there was like this record label tooth and nail that kind of came out and it oh was, yeah, yeah yeah of course like a christian label that was playing music some music that didn't suck and so like that was stuff that i could actually get a hold of because they had it at the like christian bookstore and it was okay for me to have <clears throat> so i think some of my influences came out of these like christian grunge e-bands and then it kind of yeah. grew from there like my parents seemed to care less and less like as i got into high school and older obviously yeah so like my influence like most of my friends would have been listening to like you know stuff like joy division and yeah smiths but i wouldn't have it just wasn't in my wheelhouse because i wasn't nobody i knew like i was a church kid too like all my friends were church kids so we didn't necessarily listen to that because it just wasn't around and we weren't exposed to it yeah of course so did you grow up on a lot of like worship music or um kind of i never really liked it honestly yeah just was boring um yeah, it's it's hit or miss from from my experience. Like, sure, it's hit or miss. Some some are great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. I th I think what ended up happening is like there were a lot of these, I they were like um, bands from like the fifties and sixties that like my parents would have listened to. Yeah, and so we could listen to them, and those became big influences too. Like from a really young age, like things like uh, Beach Boys, and like Mamas and Papas. And, you know, like those, like early pop from the yeah. 50s and 60s. I always saw you as a Beach Boys fan. I don't know why. Don't don't ask me to pinpoint why I thought that. I just felt John would like Beach Boys. I don't really know why. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think Pet Sounds is like my favorite record. Okay. By, by far. Like in that generation, I guess. Yeah. 
And then you mentioned obviously about you have your first bands and and you always have that. Well, you mentioned actually, come to think of it, just rewinding back a little bit, you mentioned your first show because you're out of town. What was like your first show you ever went to? What was your first experience of like live kind of heavier music? Like heavy, heavy music? (laughs) Um, First show show I remember was this this band called Plank Eye who was like a big a really big influence on me for a long time. Yeah. And they were like the Christian version of like something grungy, like maybe Soundgarden or Nirvana or something. Yeah. But they are also like, there's so many of those people in that like scene of tooth and early tooth and nail bands that were like outside of popular Christianity. So like the music, they listened to a lot of secular music and they like, that was the stuff that influenced them. So like the music that they did play was actually not bad and like had some like balls to it, I guess, as opposed to like some of the stuff growing up just was really boring. Was Tooth and Nail predominantly? Because I'm trying to think of the bands that I can remember. Because Tooth and Nail were around when I was like growing up, still and yeah. and still around, I, I think. But um, I yeah. think off the top of my head, I, I can think of like Under Oath. Maybe were Under Oath on Tooth and Nail? Or am I making that up? Yeah, they were. Um, for a long time, and I think technically still are. Yeah, yeah, because they're back together now, right? Yeah. So, I mean, were they like Christian bands only, or did they branch out, or was it just predominantly Christian? Or well, I think two like there were definitely Christian labels out there, yeah. but Tooth and Nail never like. There were obviously like most of the bands on Tooth and Nail were Christian, but there yeah. wasn't like a. Like they had other bands that were just like not not Christian on the label too. It was oh, never okay. like we're we're a Christian label. It was like we're just a label that happens to have a bunch of Christian bands on it and yeah. like a bunch of Christian people that work for them. But I don't know. It's like saying, oh, like I have a Christian beanie or like I have a Christian yeah. potato salad. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like that, the idea of a thing being Christian was like bizarre to them yeah like it wasn't a thing it's just music of course yeah no of course i think i think it's a really good way to look at it no 100 percent. but you know people have um boxes that they want to put stuff into and and yeah i suppose the world over things are boxed off and and kind of judged which is unfortunate not by everyone but you know in in the main unfortunately it's kind of the way it is hopefully it'll change but right now i suppose those boxes have to exist for certain people but um, and then obviously, right, right. you know, you, you did, you mentioned obviously you went to a first show and then obviously you always have the first band. And I think the first band always kind of like shapes sort of the person you are almost um, in positive yeah. and maybe negative ways, depending on how good or bad they are. But um, what was your first band? First band I played in? Yeah. Uh, it was called Frozen Soap and I was, I think, 14 when I started it. And it was like I had just got an electric car, uh, electric guitar. I was like, "Well, it's time to start a band." Is this yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have it. So. <laughs> had you had it long, or was it just like you had it and thought, "Oh, well, I need to do the band thing now"? Well, I had had this somehow. This like uh, student acoustic guitar showed up at our house, like tiny. Yeah, I don't know where it came from, but I just started playing the hell out of that thing, and like. I think my parents saw that I took an interest to it, but it still took me like a year of convincing them to like get me an electric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause I mean, I was the youngest of four and all of my other, I had three older sisters and they all like had started instruments and then just stopped. So like my parents were like apprehensive about buying another instrument. that's just going to like, you know, go to waste. So I like had to bug them for about a year to finally get a guitar and then like a little amp and then as soon as that happened i i really took the guitar and just kept playing and then i'd say within six months like wanted to start a band and play with people and did you have anyone in that band like your first band that you you continued to play with like later in life or no i do have a one of the guys is like still a friend that i keep in touch with but there there isn't anybody that i keep playing with Okay. Like from that band. Um, but I would say that was still like kind of a grungy band per yeah. se, like in the 90s. And then 
soon after like i i had some friends that were like into some heavier stuff and like introduced me to like training for utopia and zeo and stuff like that and that was like a whole nother like mind-blowing thing yeah like, hey there there is some heavy stuff that i think i actually like because i liked what they were doing and then that was kind of at the tail end of that other band uh frozen soap and then started another band that was like a heavy heavy band yeah i think when you like when you first get into heavy heavy music there's kind of a i don't know i, I thought i was into heavy music when i was like 16 i think we all have that and like yeah and then there's just stuff that originally is noise but it just does something and i think um a lot of that comes out in you know maybe live shows that's how yeah, how i experienced it did you did you find the experience of heavy music was different at live shows did you enjoy it more like live and is that what kind of pushed you into heavier music or well i think there's echoes for like all styles yeah um, yeah i suppose that's true um but yeah there's definitely i think in that vein in that time period like it was man there's so much like there's like this other member of the band I like to call it sometimes it's like part of like the presence of a band and like yeah. how it's presented and how it makes you feel as a member and the audience as well um, all of that uh, is something you just don't get on a record a lot of the time sometimes no. you, you get it but it's tough like it's tough to do that though I mean and yeah. I, I suppose that kind of like nicely moves me on to sort of the, the next part that i kind of wanted to ask so you mentioned obviously you made a, another band after that point um but like in 2006 obviously you joined the chariot yeah um and like without jumping too far i apologize if you had like four or five bands in between i think you know a lot of us <laughs> do but um obviously you joined the chariot and, and I, re I remember the chariot from from that that era like from like beforehand from like 2003 um sure. and i remember the and I, I i wasn't into heavy music not so much at that point i mean i was into heavier mu like heavier music but not that level of heavy not not in yeah. not in my eyes and you know there's a lot of at the time a lot of talk went around about the live shows and and oh you have to go see the chariot and and it took me a while to get around to it but you know there was definitely something different sort of regarding the chariot in terms of like a live aspect it, became almost sort of cult-esque and it still sort of is like in terms of fan base there was something about like the chariot that was different but you know when you started being in it yourself did you realize it would be sort of the monster it would become and most importantly how did that kind of come about like how did you meet the guys how did how did that happen um well to backtrack just a little bit for like history's sake um, yeah please do the first heavy band was called Entropy, and we played, started playing quite a bit in Kansas City. Um, and then we had some friends in a band called Flattery Leads to Ruins, and that was Jake and Dan were in those bands. And we would play together a lot. And then Entropy kind of morphed into another band called James Dean Trio that was more like mathy and technical metal. Mm -hmm. And I was singing for that band. Um, well, I started playing guitar in that band and then moved over to vocals. And then we ended up playing a lot of shows together. So we were, became friends in the scene, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and James Dean Trio kind of fizzled out. Like, people wanted to go to college and life happens as it normally does. And then yeah. Flattery, I think, also did. And during that time period was when Jake ended up playing with the Chariot. And he was in the band for a couple of years. Um, before like he contacted me and then like me and Dan both joined at the same time but it was just like old friends from the Kansas City scene that just had gone on to do bigger bands and that's kind of how we all met up again and started playing yeah in the chariot and that was that was kind of a wild ride because it happened yeah. really 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 fast for us um it was basically, I got the call from Jake, like, in March at some point, and he was just like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, well, I just delivering pizzas and recording <laughs> bands. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. I got to go. Bye. 
<laughs> like the modern weird. day Henry Rollins. Like you were selling pizzas rather than Hagen does, and then all of a sudden you became one <laughs> yeah. of the, the biggest bands out. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm I'm down with that. Anything remotely Henry Rollins esque works with me. That's cool. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah yeah of course he's, he's the best dude I, I well i haven't met yeah. him but i suppose maybe <laughs> maybe one seems, day who knows seems like a good dude yeah um yeah so that happened that was like a call in march and then i think he called me again he's like hey we're look maybe looking for some more people to play with us and i was like oh that's cool like, let me know when you're in town and that was like probably the end of March, but like with that call, I was like, well, if this is really going to happen and there's like stuff in the works, like I'm going to need to learn some of these songs so that I'm not just like coming into it blind. So I spent probably the next month or so, like just trying to learn as much as I could from at that point. It was just, uh, their first record and the, uh, that EP that was out, um, so I learned everything on the EP is like recorded quite well and like easy to understand. Yeah. But then trying to go back to the first record, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> just a lot of that was recorded live. I think maybe all of it was recorded live and it was just like impossible to understand. Yeah. I mean, I like, can't play anything, but I imagine. Yeah. Just like having a record that's so noisy and trying yeah. to like, cipher what someone's playing <laughs> and it, it was two guitars as well right like it's always been two guitars i think yeah for a long time i mean there's been a few times here and there where it hasn't been but yeah for the most part and then... so we got together sometime like the first probably around the first of may ish yeah and like jammed together and like I already knew some songs and they were like, Whoa, this is crazy that you already know these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to show up unprepared. No. <laughs> so it, it went fairly smoothly and then we probably like practiced a few songs for like a few days and we're like, Oh, this is cool and then Josh ended up joining up with us. And that's when we <laughs> like a week into joining the band had started uh started writing the fiance which we spent about a week on and then we had to rehearse for this big like big festivals and then like the run into summer for shows so it was like literally less than a month of practicing and getting into shows already yeah and, and it was like non-stop. In, in that time in that time also writing a trying to write a record yeah after being in the band for like a week <laughs> and it's like I mean it was non I always I mean it always was like it was like non-stop touring with the chariot like the amount of times people were like are you going to see the chariot it felt like every two months like in the UK alone so it must yeah. have been a pretty big jump but I suppose I, I, I don't know I mean I don't no one knows the reasons why things get popular or end up the way they do but I suppose that kind of relentless touring and sort of the attitude to the live performance possibly is what created that like I say, cult-esque sort of fan base. Um, but what was it like being on kind of the other side of the lens? Like, did you expect that? Like, when you went into it, was there a rep going into it that the shows were going to be a little bit insane? Or Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not the crazy guy. I was never the cra- craziest guy in the chariot by any stretch. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely um, a thing to live up to. Yeah. But for me, it was like, and I, I think maybe even Josh would say so too. It's like there were, there's like kind of two sides of the chariot coin. There's the like show aspect, and then there's like the music aspect. And if you went to a live chariot show, like you might hear like a few real notes, and then the rest was just like a cacophony of noise. <laughs> yeah. I was always trying to like bring it bring it around to a point where like maybe there was a little bit of clout of like hey i can like i can like lay back and chill a little bit let everybody else go crazy and like actually play my guitar and try to play with the drummer who's actually also playing his instrument so and that that felt good to me like i don't like i don't want to go crazy and fake it yeah of course Um, there were definitely moments where it was like there and I felt it and I was into it. But if I wasn't like, I'm going to just like play my instrument as good as I can. 
like have a background for everybody else to like, you know play off of i guess yeah you, you needed a backbone with <laughs> those sort of performances definitely i yeah. mean um wolf like like i i don't know how often he played but <laughs> right. man <laughs> like it was it was definitely something to watch you know it definitely has and you know i think um obviously the after that you had wars um and of course long live as well but um you know going into sort of writing those albums um i mean you 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 left the band by the time one winged came out um when you were writing and going through sort of long live was it ever your expectation that you were going to sort of veer off and do your own thing for a little while or was it just Not natural? really um that was more of like personal hell going on for me okay like at that point in time like just trying to figure out being married and trying to play in a band and thinking that could work like yeah in the current situation and it not working at all so you so got married at that point that was before that like a few years before that oh, okay and then it was one of those things where it was like just not not gonna work out <laughs> yeah so. no i i understand that i think i suppose being married it's a, it's a pretty big deal and, and trying to work stuff out yeah it just where do you start like every relationship's different yeah just at that point in time it was not gonna work yeah of course and then you know i suppose the natural progression of that is you're going to carry on writing but did you go straight from sort of not being in the chariot to to doing your own stuff and to doing um or, or did you just literally take time out and kind of like take time to reassess yourself sort of as an artist and musically or yeah um i've never really taken a break like if i look back at yeah. everything there's never really been a break per se but there's like if you look at it from like an outside outside perspective of like releasing music then yeah it was a long a long break but there was also me like going to school or working full time and still writing music but yeah it's just being a slower process because that was that was about the time i started writing the stolen nation stuff that ended up putting out do you still that took like like four years to put out (laughs) <laughs> oh really that yeah i mean yeah. but it can be like that like i suppose yeah. like because I'm, I'm guessing you know talking about the chariot tune quite extensively beforehand i mean i don't know but i'm guessing it was pretty hard to work full-time at that point as well i would imagine and i suppose then you come back and you dive headfirst into a full-time job it's writing music you get like what two three hours per day if you want to get some sleep so yeah <laughs> yeah of course um but when you obviously so looking back obviously you and, and the chari- you not being in the chariot anymore i suppose as you said was a more sort of a personal thing as along as to alongside a, a, a instead of a um sort of an artistic uh sort of direction that you personally wanted to go in so was it always your intention to get back into being a band or did you definitely because i remember we've chatted before about obviously other influences you've got as well and I know that you're a Bjork fan. I'm pretty sure we discussed Modest Mouse last time we chatted. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, the stuff that you did with Stolen Nations, the stuff you did, you know, yourself over the past few years that you've released, and yeah. I, ha- I haven't heard it, but I'm guessing the new stuff that's due to come out as well, I suppose all of that is, you know, obviously less heavy than what The Chariot was. Um, was yeah. that always your intention, or was it just a case of, you know, you're inspired by the stuff as well, and that's what what comes out comes out. I don't, I don't know that anything's ever intentional, like music wise. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there's definitely comes a point in time when you play like nothing but heavy music for like. I mean, I started playing in heavy bands in like '99, and by like 2010 or whatever, like yeah, you're gonna get, you might get a little burnt out on heavy music, or yeah. you just want to. Like, try something else for a minute of course so like that's just been the progression of like even stolen nations was still kind of heavy but it was melodic and like i'm actually singing Um, going to that was like a nice reprieve and then like 
even the stuff I'm doing now is like even more mellow, but like I've gotten the itch to like write heavy stuff again and that might just happen. <laughs> yeah, I was you gonna I was I, gonna say, do you have like a, a well you've kind of answered that question, but you have an inkling obviously that you might want to go back to heavy stuff at some point. Do you mean from a maybe a band perspective or would you prefer to go back to heavy stuff and kind of a solo aspect of it? I think solo like and heavy just it's just a different thing. Like sometimes Yeah. Like you don't want to eat pizza every single day every day like the same pizza so like yeah. it's the same artistically like i like i like to do both and i don't want to be stuck in doing one or the other so like solo is more of a mellow thing and i think it fits better to have it be that way like if i want to just go play with a guitar by myself like i can do that and it makes sense but like i'm not gonna go try and play a bunch of heavy songs solo because that would be dumb in a strange way, though, I mean, I remember seeing you live, um, oh, jeez, I can't remember. When was that tour with Dan and Chris? That was about two years ago. Yeah, and I remember, like, at the time being quite unexpected of, of what to expect, but when you see one person step up, as you say, it's generally you expect it to be mellow, but I suppose, like, in a way, anything can be heavy if the mindset's right, and I remember watching it... Um, sort of with with christy with my wife and i remember yeah. thinking like on, on its own it, it was mellow but at the same time it was kind of like really heavy like in a different way um yeah like there was still sort of elements of heavy music in there in terms of the mindset and the way it was presented i think but i think with the vocals like the vocals like your own personal vocals are really they're quite mellow on on that sort of stuff yeah. Um, so I suppose what I mean by like heavy from a solo perspective, do you see? You mentioned that your new stuff's a little bit more mellow, but do you see yourself going into like th- like solo music that has kind of a heavy element? If that makes any sense, I don't know if I'm explaining myself very yeah. well here, but I, you know, maybe you understand where I'm coming from. There's two different like schools of thought, I think, too. Like as far as what you describe as heavy, like is the music heavy or is the content heavy or yeah. does like the performance itself feel heavy i think (laughs) yeah my new stuff's just i think all of it's heavy because it's it was all written like during a divorce and like all of that stuff's just getting like vomited out into these songs yeah they're like yeah they're heavy real heavy but it's also not like not playing like distorted guitars or anything yeah i think there's acoustic guitar in every track so it's like musically it's lighter but content wise probably just as heavy <laughs> yeah of course and as you say there's two different sort of trains of thoughts with that and it's kind of like it's kind of like punk music like anything could be punk if the attitude's right so i suppose anything yeah, can okay. be heavy if if the attitude's correct in the same way not that i would know anything about that you know i don't do any of these things but um, sure. <laughs> um well you you do an art that mm-hmm. you know as a performance in, sure. a, in a way yeah i suppose but god knows what that is at the moment um i'm sure i'll work it out when i'm like 40 or something i don't know um but nobody, nobody really knows we're all just trying to figure it out yeah no it's a, a good way to put it i think we're always trying to figure it out there's never a point when i think you hit a, a certain point in life and go ah, i get it i understand it um right. at least not so far anyway um i think it just gets easier to try yeah yeah yeah, maybe that's really all you can say about it yeah um do you ever think you'll come back sort of to the uk with your solo stuff i mean i'm guessing that's the anticipation but yeah i'd really like to um i'm trying to make that happen good there's just been a lot of like opportunities to record an engineer here that i've taken up so that's taken a lot of time and like stop me from being able to finish my record but mm. i think if that happens i'd like to definitely like to go tour again i was talking to somebody the other day about touring in the uk i can't remember who it was um i think it might have been eric paul i don't know um and we were discussing like the, the costs involved for like touring in the uk and it's like is it really that bad like is it really expensive or because i've heard that it's, it's got like so many complications compared to like mainland europe the uk is really expensive i think that's insane. Like, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea, like, it cost bands so much. I thought it was, like, the yeah. flight would be your expense, and then you're here. Well, it is an expense, but you got to think about, like, the British pound, like, 
for us is so so much higher than the dollar. Like we gotta make make our like currency, you know, switch and make it worthwhile. Um, we and sometimes it bit. sometimes it does work. It just depends on yeah. like what you're gonna get paid and does that transfer well? Of course. When um when Brexit happened though, like the I think the pound dropped quite a bit. I don't know how how it's kind of lasting now. It was lasting in the states in like September, but like I think the the pound went to like I think it was one point one three or something, which kind of worked out. But I think I don't think you've been back since Brexit, right? Um, I think we were right after it, or right before it, maybe. I'd have to look at the date. I haven't checked. I haven't checked the pound since then. Was it like April, maybe? April last year. It was like near the yeah, year, I think. Yeah, that's right. I think it was, it was with uh, uh, Apple Seedcast. Yeah, Apple Seedcast. Yeah. That was the last time we were there. Yeah. I April's right. I think, I, I'm trying to remember because obviously I, I played one of those shows, so I should really remember it, but I, I think it was April. I'm pretty certain it was April. Um, so Scotland Day, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, so you played Glasgow, I think it was solo like maybe six months beforehand and then it was like back as with Apple T cast listener and uh th- was it Kurt Travis? Yeah, and I think uh Atlas Empire too, right? Yeah, that's right, Atlas Empire, yeah, who um I actually work with one of the guys from Atlas now. Um cool. great guy, yeah. Dudes. Yeah. Yeah, Steve, you know Steven? Yep. Yeah, great guy. Um he's yep, just yep. started my job and yeah, we we get on well, shall we say? Um, but you know, I'm sure there's no one really that interested in that from my perspective. Um, <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something just then. I've totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah. So yeah, effectively, you leaving um, you leaving the UK coincided with Brexit and and everything else yeah. going politically tits up, um, if you prefer. Since then, but um, yeah. So sure. less said about that, the better. Or maybe the more said about that, the better. I don't know. What do you do? You feel like I? It seems like it happened, and, and people were talking about it for like a week, and then like dead, dead air after that. I don't know. It was weird because in 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 Scotland, like everybody voted to remain in. Like ev- okay. everybody. Well, not not every <laughs> single person, but sure. As a whole, like, yeah. As a whole, yeah. Like each each city voted to stay in, and then, um, and then I think no one had a clue what was to happen next like it was like it was a theory as opposed to an actual idea so yeah (laughs) oh god i don't know um i I wish somebody did but you know i I don't think people do um talking about obviously that tour and 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 last time you were here obviously was with listener as well um so suppose you know that's something i I definitely 100 percent want to mention um obviously listener is again a, a completely different beast entirely to everything that you've done yeah yeah um how did and obviously i know dan from the chariot the the, the stuff he did with the chariot but uh-huh. how, how does that translate and, and go into i know dan to i play with dan and i too with dan yeah and i live with dan <laughs> oh you live with dan oh how is yeah. he how is he is he okay yeah he's great good Dan is Dan is Dan. Dan is not, you know, he is who he is on and off stage, and he's just a good, good person. Yeah, he's a good he's a good dude. Best friends. So, were you best friends before that? Were you? Was it? Did you meet Dan through obviously David Dillhose, or did you know him well before that? I met Dan at the Cornerstone Festival, like. A long time ago. I think it was a few years before that chariot thing. Yeah. Just the passing and then we hung out like the year before the like we were gonna do that that chariot record, like we were hanging out a little bit and then he decided to come and play with us and that was when um we kinda really started to hang out and then around that time was when he like was thinking about getting a house and moving around to different spots to like see what he liked and he ended up finding a house in Kansas City that he liked a lot so that's what kind of brought him here and like we ended up spending a lot more time together at that point and this is sort of before he recorded David Delahose or 
Um, actually, before like we recorded that record, and that's like when we first, you know, really hung out. And then yeah, after that was when he was like kind of coming around Kansas City quite a bit. Okay, and then obviously because listeners started as I mean I I remember like actually getting hold of listener pretty early on, um, and it been just Dan, and it was like just videos online from what I remember, but. Then it developed into Chris, and then uh, Kristen. It was a Christian Nelson, I believe, after that point. And then, yeah, obviously he came back and did listener songs to the UK uh, with yourself and with Chris. And then you all came back together. Like, at what point yeah. did that become John in listener? At what point, and and, and why? I suppose. Um, it just became a matter of like happenstance like i was living with dan yeah like about six months before that and then they ended up needing a guitar player so i i was around and i i had the time so i was able to like within a month learn i don't know like 14 songs or something yeah because they had a, they had a tour with uh cassidy's burn coming up and they didn't want to cancel it because kirsten didn't want to go on it so that's when um, I kind of stepped in and started playing with them. It's just been that way since. Talking of As Cities Burn, are they still together? Did they get back together at one point? I think they did, and I think they were planning on continuing to do stuff, and then Aaron just pulled the plug again. Aaron's the drum. the drummer, the drummer. Yeah, yeah. Have you? He he wrote a, a really interesting book. Like I haven't read all of it, but have you read like like his book that he yeah. released? Pretty yeah, interesting. I read it. It's like yeah. he. It's good. Like I haven't got through all of it. I've got through like a quarter of it because that, that's kind of what I do with books. I I, I read like a quarter of each book. But yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I remember that, I have that problem too. Yeah, it's it's I, I um I, I don't I do you find like because I, I find myself being quite like an activist. Like like I I think of something and I want to do it, so I just do it and throw everything into it for like two months and yeah. then come back to it later. I think, I don't know if I'm an activist, but like as far as an artist making, creating stuff, like I definitely have that disease, I guess. Yeah. Like it's it's really easy to create and start, but it's not always easy to finish. Yeah, and the middle bit always tends to be the most difficult, I think, and it's uh, right. probably why, you know, I've got few, so many unfinished ideas. But anyway, um, like, I think it's important too. Mm. I, can't, I had a friend kind of, because I've, I had writer's block for a long time. Yeah. I had a good friend of mine, uh, like, explain this thing to me. He's like, well, have you ever heard of what Hemingway used to do when he was writing? And I was like, no, I haven't. He said he would, obviously he was, a like, a writer-writer, but he would write until, like, you know, if you're, if you're creating, even, like, when you're writing stuff, you're writing, and you're, like, really excited about it, and then you keep, you try to keep going, and, like, eventually, like, you start to peak off and you get tired of what you're doing and you don't feel inspired by it and you just don't want to pick it back up again. So like when he would reach that high point of like feeling good about what he was writing, he would stop. Like even though he felt like he wanted to keep going so that each time that he stopped and wanted to come back to it, it was like fresh and felt good. And like there's always leaving it at a high point, like help, helped him to continue to write. And I've tried to, tried to do that as much as I can even with writing music and it seems to help quite a bit yeah that that is quite interesting because I suppose you know when you when you hit that that high point that's kind of that's the moment when you think you've cracked it for like the next two weeks yep and you think it's going to follow on and, and and be like that for a while I think um I was gonna I was gonna ask you something else and it's totally gone out of my head you know when you get sidetracked with certain things oh sure. yeah okay so i mean just to kind of finish off we we've had a, a decent but quick history um but I'm, I'm pleased to got to ask everything i wanted to ask to an extent but what's the plan sort of moving forward for yourself now uh we've got a big listener tour coming up um you've just done one though right nice. you've just done like a 40 date two with birds and row or something i think that was a while ago. We haven't been on the road since the end of November. Oh, or the okay. beginning of November, actually. We were supposed to have something in February that fell through, but 
now we're looking at like mid-May through God knows when, like <laughs> end of July maybe. Okay. Possibly longer. Yeah. That'll be with 68, and I don't know who else yet. It's still getting finalized, but it's in the works. 68 always tour. They're always touring so heavy. Like <laughs> yeah, like it's crazy. Yeah, like I I have no idea how that guy does it. I, I I'm I'm pleased he does, but I have no idea how that guy does it. Generally, um, it's like I th- I think I've seen 68 like seven times in like six months. It feels, um, yeah. So you have a tour. How many dates? Uh, it's still that's still up in the air too. I know it's going to be like at least a couple weeks in the U.S. and then cool. going overseas, all over the place, and possibly more, maybe like Asia and Australia and stuff. But uh, nothing is confirmed yet. Not jealous of that at all. Um, I'm I'm quite happy to be in <laughs> rainy Scotland for the next six months. Um, not, um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's there's always something that I kind of well not always something. I've only done one of these podcasts before, but there's something I always want to sort of end on. Um, obviously, you've, you've done a lot of stuff through a lot of music, um, a lot of bands, and a lot of a lot of artwork. If there's anyone listening that maybe is listening out of just sheer curiosity or listening um, for the sake of listening and, and maybe hasn't heard of you before or heard of the bands you were in, what would you say are the two things you'd recommend or are possibly most proud of that you've ever done? Say the two songs from any band. Mm, wow. I think I'm most proud of the new stuff I'm writing and none of it's out yet, but we'll be okay. Uh, like six months time I think. yeah um and i think long live was just as a whole even was a really fun record to make and felt very different than things that were out at the time yeah no most definitely and i mean i don't know i mean david delahose obviously is kind of a powerhouse with the video aspect of it oh yeah we never discussed that video i think if anyone hasn't seen that video <laughs> I think that's probably a really good ending point. Like, if you haven't yeah. seen the video, yeah. that's a video and off, man. Jeez. Yeah. Like, they have haircuts. Yeah, there's haircuts going on <laughs> in there. There's headsets coming off. and there's Just watch it. Just watch it and enjoy it. Like, I have, like, 60,000 times, so, and I, I'm still not bored of it, <laughs> which is cool. But, yeah. I had, I had to be the one to ruin that. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was your, it was your headset that came off, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. That's, no, it kind of works though. It's it's uh, it's what yeah. what's the right word to use? It's organic. There we go. It's organic. Yep, yep. It's <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I I, I really want to thank you for coming on. Um, it's actually really interesting from my personal perspective to kind of get a bit of a history of of what you've done, even though I you know I know a little bit from previous conversations. But um, I appreciate you coming on and giving me like an hour of your time, and I'm sure there's tons of people who want to hear exactly the same sort of stuff as i have today and i think there'll be people who enjoy it just as much as i have but that's awesome man thanks very much yeah thanks for having me this is fun and so that's the end of episode two thanks again for tuning in thanks for listening again really hope you enjoyed it i'll reiterate please subscribe please connect with me on facebook please chat to me on twitter um I really like feedback on exactly what it is you've enjoyed or even if you haven't enjoyed it. um, Feel free to let me know, obviously, what you think. Regarding next week's episode, it's already recorded. It's already done. It's good to go. Um, We've got some really good episodes coming up in the near future. A lot of them recorded conversation-wise. Just got to kind of edit and and do that kind of stuff. But I'd heavily recommend if you've enjoyed the first two you've got some absolute treats coming up um and then some so i'd like to see you come back if you do then i'll see you then Resurrect!